Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com/fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com/fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. I love late August. The backyard food garden is at its peak. Everywhere there's tomatoes, peppers, zucchini, peaches, melons, and so much more that's filling the garden beds. Uh, maybe too much? We have a great idea on what to do with all that produce that you can't keep up with. Also, we hear from a gardener in Oregon who wants to know why aren't his vegetables growing? The plants look healthy, they're just not growing. We have some ideas why on episode 132 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you today by Smart Pots, and we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. Hi, Fred. This is Hank in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, I wanted to ask a question about plants that aren't growing very quickly. Um, I have a pretty small space, and it has been uh, brutally hot for a lot of the summer. And what I'm encountering is a lot of different types of vegetables that just aren't doing very much. They're not uh, diseased, but they're not growing very fast. And I'm curious if there's general rules about why that might be and if there's a, a rule about when to pull the plug on <laughs> on plants that I might use to plant something else. Um, I have that problem with artichokes, eggplants, some peppers. They just don't seem to be doing anything special and stay about two or three inches tall. I'm curious if it's anything I'm doing or if there's something I could do differently. Thanks so much. Hank, thanks for sending in that question via speakpipe.com slash garden basics. It's an easy, inexpensive, actually free way to uh, get your question in here without uh, typing out an email or, or calling us. And uh, speakpipe.com slash garden basics, great way to get your questions into our podcast. Debbie Flower, our favorite college horticultural professor, is here. I have questions for Hank. I wish Hank was with us. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Yeah. Is it sunny? How big are the pots? Things like that. <laughs> <laughs> when did he get them? Uh, the question came in July 21st? Uh, in July, yes. Yes, and, and that's kind of a late uh, in the season to be planting the things he mentioned. And it has been brutally hot in Seattle. It's made the news because it's been brutally hot in Seattle. He's actually in Eugene, but okay. it's been hot there, too. It's been brutally hot in Eugene. It's made the news that it's been brutally hot in Eugene. And that, I, th I think, is potentially the biggest problem. Plants make food, and then they use the food. They make food, they stash it somewhere inside of themselves, and then when they need it to grow or to make roots or to put on a flower or... Um, a fruit, things that uh, don't see the light of day, can't make their own food. They have to shuttle that food over there to make those things grow or happen. But they also use that food to do the processes of life, to just stay alive. So the major processes in the plant are photosynthesis. That's the making of the food using sun or another form of light, and as well as air and some nutrients. And then they respire and respiration is basically using that food. And they have to respire all the time. It's kind of like breathing for a human. And they have to use food to respire. They break down food 
and make energy during the respiration process. And then that energy can be used to, if there's any leftover, can be used to make the buds or, or the fruit or the root or whatever, the new cells. They do photosynthesis only when they're exposed to light. They do respiration all the time. And the rates of both of those things go up as temperatures go up. So on a very hot day, the plants are respiring very fast to keep cool, to pump water. They need energy to pump water through them. That's their air conditioning system. They're doing photosynthesis, but above 85 degrees, the photosynthesis rate declines. The, all, the plants can't make more things. They are using so much energy to keep themselves cool that they can't make cells. So they're all the... Th- food they're making by photosynthesis is being used to keep themselves cool. And I fear that his plants have gotten into that situation where they can't grow because they're using all the energy they make in photosynthesis to keep themselves cool. So my suggestions would be to shade them. Hmm. Make sure they're getting enough water and mulch the soil so that any water in the soil stays there. Yeah, we are not sure if they're in the ground or in containers. Right. Containers heat up very fast, and that would add to the problem if they are in containers. So if they're in containers, put them in a bigger container, the biggest container you can handle. By the way, I I came across this nifty little 21st century device that was fairly inexpensive. It was about 40 bucks or so. It's called a rain point, and I keep this gauge here on my desk in front of me, and it has numbers on it. And uh, the top number is the soil temperature of the pot that this device is in. The bottom number is the relative humidity. And there are three words on there, dry, okay, or wet. And currently the arrow is on the word okay. So it says the soil temperature is 73.4 degrees. Right. And the relative humidity is in the container as well? Correct. That's 44%. Yeah. And this is in a half barrel. I have the, this okay. green, green device out there in, in the half barrel where the uh, popcorn is growing. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, just, it's just a reminder, really, for me to get out there and water the barrel. Yes. Right. But, but it works. But what was interesting it's, is on a really hot day, that 73.4 degrees that says now, and right now the temperature outside is about 85 or so. Mm-hmm. But on a really hot day, it, it could be 100 in the air and it's 110 inside that half barrel. Oh, wow. And it's a wooden barrel, so and, it's well insulated. Yeah. 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 So imagine what a plastic barrel would be. Yes. As far and as this temperature is a goes. half wine barrel, so it's quite large around. If these seedlings that are two to three inches tall are in a little four inch or six inch container, it's going to heat up very quickly, dry out very quickly, and the plants are just going to suffer. Yeah. That little device, by the way, you can move from container to container or even put it in a raised bed or in the soil. And as long as you have a Bluetooth signal. I was going to say it uses Bluetooth. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how it, it gets to you. So far, so good mm-hmm. with it. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty impressed with it. It's amazing how technology is. Uh, well, I think that's called Moore's Law, where it, it, it's uh, half the price with twice the power or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Technology is definitely going that direction. Yeah. So anyway, that's just one way to... That to, to show you just how darn hot it can get in a container on a hot day, right? if that's the case. One other thing I'm wondering about are plant growth regulators. Mm-hmm. If he bought these, especially at a non-nursery, and I'm thinking like a big box store mm-hmm. that doesn't really, you know, plants are sort of an afterthought. Right. And it's usually lowest common denominator growers who are selling to the big box yes. stores. The PGRs, as they're known, these Plant growth regulators are a boon for the industry because they make the plants all grow to the same height, which means that all these plants in flats 
are all going to get up to the same height, which makes them a lot easier to ship. And, and makes them prettier. And it makes each them, one you know, it's a nice little same. display. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you even go to a nursery and you look out at a sea of annual bedding plants, and they're mm-hmm. all the same size, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it'd be a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are even some ornamental plants that they're used on to keep them in control for their entire life. Well, sometimes these PGRs get out of control because it, it's all sprayed on these plants as, as they're growing. And if they accidentally apply too much, that can retard the growth of the plants. Or if they're applying it to something nearby, I, I think of them as being used more in ornamentals, mm-hmm. uh, and it drifts with the wind over to something edible. That's a possibility. The root zone is something to look at as well. If they are in small pots and yeah. you do transplant them, that would be a great time to get down to the roots very close to the stem. The roots that were around the, the base of the plant when you purchased it, are they all in a big knot? Maybe they need to be cut. Maybe they're unable to take off. And then fertilization. Mm-hmm. Is there any? <laughs> yeah, is there any? <laughs> right. They need some nutrition. Uh, they aren't going to get it just from, from bagged uh, media unless it's already been primped with well, fertilizer. Well, usually it's such minuscule amounts yes. in those bags. And you got to wonder, how long has that bag been sitting there? And nitrogen kind of disappears quickly. Yes. Even time-release fertilizers are, if you delve into them, these are uh, usually pelletized fertilizers that you put on top of the soil or put into the top few inches. And over time, they break down. They say they feed up to three months or six months. They have different ones. If you delve into the fine print, you'll find that that is if the plants are kept at an even 70 degrees. And in a hot summer, that's the rate of release of those fertilizers is going to be much faster. And so you're going to have to reapply them more frequently. And I guess, too, if it isn't small containers, that constricted root mass would also impede growth. Yes, it would. Yeah. yeah. So there, there's that, too. But so we're not really sure all that's going on in Hank's garden up there in Eugene, yeah, Oregon. Yeah, I wish we could ask some questions. Yeah. Keep trying. You can plant cool season vegetables there, Hank. So yes. Give that uh, a shot. Yes, uh, probably soon. Now, speaking of constricted roots, though, as you pointed out on, on previous shows, you, you've always insisted upon freeing up the roots of, of perennials, trees, and shrubs yes. as, as you plant them. Annuals, you once said, it doesn't really matter that much since they're doing all their growth in one year. But still, it wouldn't be a bad idea to sort of scrape lightly on the outside of that root ball before you stick it in the ground. Right. Any any cuts you make in the roots uh, will result in multiple root tips growing from behind that cut. The reason annuals aren't as critical is because they never become woody. The roots on a woody plant become woody. And if they're in a circle around the base of the trunk, then you have a woody collar around the base of the trunk. And as that trunk gets fatter and fatter, it starts to choke on that uh, woody root. Plenty of possibilities, Hank. Take your choice. Yeah, I hope it gets better. Debbie Flower, thanks for your help on this. You're welcome. You've heard me talk about Smart Pots, the award-winning fabric planter here on the Garden Basics podcast. They're durable and reusable. I've been using mine for five years now, and once again, they're being pressed into service in my yard. I have this problem. I, I grow too many tomatoes for the amount of allotted sunny space I have for them. So those extra tomato plants go into the Smart Pots. I place them in scattered areas around the yard where I know they'll get enough sun, which is a premium in my yard. And even five years later, I can pick up those smart pots, plant and all, and move them around without fear of the smart pot tearing or ripping. 
SmartPot's breathable fabric creates a healthy root structure for plants, and SmartPots come in a wide variety of sizes and colors. Visit smartpots.com Fred for more information about the complete line of SmartPots lightweight fabric containers. And don't forget that slash Fred part, because on that page are details of discounts where you can buy SmartPots at Amazon. Okay, now I understand maybe you want to see the SmartPots before you buy them. That's not a problem. SmartPots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit SmartPots.com slash Fred. Every day in every corner of the United States, children and adults are worrying about finding enough food to put on the dinner table while thousands of pounds of food are being thrown away from backyard gardens, from small farms. Millions of Americans are unable to get enough fresh food to maintain proper health. The United States has a malnourished population that needs more than processed foods in order to thrive. So many incredible food banks, pantries, and other hunger organizations are working tirelessly to alleviate hunger in our communities, but they consistently lack in donations of fresh produce. Luckily, you can help. By making regular donations of unused fresh produce to your local food pantry, you can be a part of the solution to increase the health of people in your neighborhood. And you can donate food that you grow or food that you buy. It's easy. The trick is finding the food pantry nearest you. And you can do that through an incredible site called ampleharvest.org. We're talking with Gary Oppenheimer. He's with ampleharvest.org. He's the founder. It's a unique nationwide resource that is eliminating the waste of food, the outcome being a reduction in hunger and malnutrition, along with an improved environment. There's something like 42 million Americans who grow food in home gardens, community gardens, and their small farmers as well, who could easily donate their excess harvest to one of over 8,600 registered local food pantries spread across all 50 states. And Gary, I, I want to tell you, first of all, about my um, experience with your website, ampleharvest.org. There is a page there where you can go and, and find the food pantry nearest you. And I set a search of 15-mile radius around my house. And up popped, I'm counting, 14 food pantries I never knew existed, including one that is within walking distance. And it's amazing how easy it could be for people who have an excess of tomatoes or squash or peppers or melons or fruit, where to take it to and how convenient that is. What was your inspiration, Gary, for starting AppleHarvest.org? That's a great question, actually. Uh, I, there are two things, of, two pieces of, in, of inspiration. One was I grew up with don't waste food. My grandparents always told me, you know, finish what's on your plate. Kids are starving in Europe. So not wasting food was always inculcated into me. Um, but as an adult and a master gardener, I was growing more food than I can use. And I couldn't, I didn't want to go to waste. My wife said, you can't bring any more of this stuff in the house. And I struggled to find a place to donate the food to. Um, it turns out I found a battered woman's shelter in my town. I'm in northern New Jersey. But when I had gone on Google to find out where are their food pantries, Google said the nearest one was 25 miles away in another city. And I had an epiphany in March of 2009, and I realized, wait a minute, this is an information problem. This is not a food problem. People aren't hungry because America doesn't have enough food. We actually throw away half the produce, never gets consumed. The problem 
gardeners across America have always had was myth and missing information. The misinformation was what we were all told at food drives, that you can only donate jars or cans or boxes, but no fresh food. We gardeners took away from that, you can't donate the extra tomatoes. The missing information was where is a food pantry and what's a good day of the week and time of day to donate it. When I realized that this was the information problem, I realized the solution was a a web-based, an uh, internet-based program that would both educate gardeners about their capacity, that they can indeed donate food, and to where to donate it near them, and the optimum day of the week and time of day. And that timing is super important because if if a food pantry, for argument's sake, was distributing food to hungry families on Sunday afternoon, the ideal time for you to bring it in is Sunday morning which means the ideal time for you to harvest is either Sunday morning or Saturday night. So the food would go from your garden to the food pantry to a hungry family in hours. Number one, the food pantry didn't have to buy refrigeration. And number two, the hungry family was getting food fresher than you and I can buy in a supermarket. It's truly garden fresh food. And the whole thing came together for me in a one four hour um, session on, on my computer and seven weeks later, with the help of two volunteers, May 18th, 2009, Ample Harvest Dog rolled out. And it's been growing in reach and impact ever since. We're going to be using a couple of terms here that people may get confused. I find it confusing as well. Maybe you can explain it. We will be talking about food banks and food pantries. What is the difference? Oh, this is a fun question. All right. For most of America, for all of America, a food bank is a large industrial warehouse type operation. There are around 200 of them in America. They're part of the Feeding America network. And these are large warehouses where large amounts of food come in and large amounts of food are then redistributed out to the local programs where hungry families go. Those local programs uh, where hungry families go, there are around 33,500 across America are usually called a food pantry and in some states a food cupboard or food shelf or food closet. The exception, as far as I know, was Oregon and Washington where those local programs are also called food banks. And you said a little bit ago that I think in in Sacramento they're also sometimes called food banks. So in the vernacular, in the common language of food banks where where a hungry family gets food, but in the real system, there's a distinction. And the reason I had to create ampleharvest.org was because when the food went from uh, a food drive to a food bank to a food pantry, it took too long. But when it went from a food drive or my garden, for that matter, to a food pantry, it could happen in 15 minutes. So uh, this was an architectural discussion. This this is great for linguistic nerds, but it's, um, <laughs> if people want to use the word food bank, that's perfectly fine. But I'll use the word food pantry just to be more correct. Ampleharvest.org is geared to a wide range of gardeners. You've got home gardeners, new gardeners, farmers and food producers, master gardeners, and school gardens. And boy, I'm thinking about food waste and all of a sudden, wow, school gardens? I wonder what they're doing with all that excess food that they're growing in their uh, little school, especially when it may be happening in the summertime and there isn't anybody there to harvest it. School gardens, you're absolutely right. It's also camp gardens, by the way. But a school garden, you've, you've planted the stuff, and then the kids are gone for the summer, and who's harvesting? Or the camp. The camp had a garden, and come the end of August or September, when kids go back to school, who's harvesting? 
So they have the opportunity to um, also donate the food. By the way, as do other places that don't think of themselves as gardens. You might have a golf course that has citrus fruits raining down. You might have a public park, for example. So there's lots and lots of opportunity for food to be donated from different places. The work we're doing is to enable as much wholesome, healthy, fresh, locally grown food to get to food pantries as possible. Because that not only reduces hunger across America, but it also improves the nation's health and well-being. Uh, the, the healthier your diet, obviously, the healthier you are. I'll just give you one number which blew me away when I learned about it. Cisco Systems, the Internet company, did an analysis of ampleharvest.org uh, years ago. And it's online at ampleharvest.org slash study if you want to see it. And their analysis was if every gardener in America knew that he or she could donate food, their surplus food, and if every food pantry in America was on Ample Harvest Org able to receive the food, the nation's health care costs would drop $58 billion a year. I always believe that the word pharmacy should be spelled F-A-R-M-A-C-Y because uh, healthy, homegrown, fresh farm food is one of the best ways to get your health back. Absolutely. And when you think about two of the leading uh, causes of ill health in America are, are obesity and diabetes, which are both costly in terms of your own well-being and costly in terms of just the medical care involved. Those are both diet-impacted diseases. You improve the diet, you reduce those diseases, you have a healthier and, frankly, by extension, a wealthier nation. One of the categories you have that you're appealing to is called new gardeners, but uh, there's a subset of that that we were talking about before the interview called the accidental gardener, and and they can also uh, participate with ampleharvest.org. Yeah, uh, I wrote a blog article about that earlier this year, the accidental gardener, and people ask, well, what's an accidental gardener? Either you're a gardener or you're not. And I had realized that if you buy a house, and the house came with a fruit tree that somebody previously planted, apples, oranges, what have you. You may not think of yourself as a gardener if you don't you know, get your fingers dirty and garden, but the reality is that every year the tree is raining down on you all this wonderful food, the apples and the oranges or what have you. And so I uh, describe that person as the accidental gardener. That person, too, has the opportunity to donate the food. I was named CNN Hero in April 2010. The day I was named CNN Hero, I received an email from somebody in the Southwest who said that the prior year before he'd heard of ampleharvest.org, he had thrown away eight 55-gallon drums of citrus fruit because he didn't know he could donate it. This is a huge opportunity for the um, country. And the reality is we haven't even started tackling that yet. So the $58 billion number was based on the, re- the gardeners who know they garden, not the accidental gardeners. So these numbers are all going to be subject to change. And I also want to give you other, one other number subject to change. You started this with saying there are 42 million gardeners in America. That's pre-COVID. The data we're now seeing from uh, partners in the industry uh, speaks to 58 million people, and it may well be growing higher as millions more people start their own gardens. And I strongly believe that when we get past COVID-19, most of the people who started gardening are going to continue to garden. That means more people gardening and more healthy, fresh food for the hungry families on a permanent basis. 
Look, one of the things really important when you grow a garden and I have my own garden, you're growing it for your own enjoyment and for your own family. You should be enjoying that food first. The food, however, that you grow that's in excess of what you can use or preserve or share with friends should never be going to waste. That's the food that should be donated to a local food pantry. And that's whether you're a backyard gardener or maybe you got herbs growing in a kitchen window or you're in a community garden, it doesn't really make any difference. And by the way, also the amount of surplus is not terribly important either. Don't feel bad. I only got five tomatoes to donate. Donate your five tomatoes. It'll be commingled with all the other people with five tomatoes and 500 pounds of tomatoes at the table. The important thing is that the food is eaten by somebody and nourishes somebody in the community. It's good for the community. Frankly, it's good for the planet because food waste is a contributing factor to climate change. And it's a wonderful way of people helping their neighbors in need by reaching into their backyards when they can't afford to reach into their back pocket. Today, we are at work, as you had said, in 50 states in about 4,200 communities. And today we're approaching 9,000 food pantries, which is about a quarter of America's food pantries, which is great. That means we have three quarters of America's food pantries yet reach, engage, and work with, and work with those surrounding gardeners. So we have a lot of work ahead of us, and your dollars certainly get us uh, a long way towards succeeding on that. If you've got excess food, you know where to go. Ampleharvest.org will aim you to the food pantry nearest you. Gary Oppenheimer is the founder of Ampleharvest.org. Gary, thanks for a few minutes of your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Everybody, please stay safe. I will leave you with one final note. Um, in these COVID, COVID time, we have guidance on the site for the gardener on how to be COVID safe when they're both growing the food for themselves and making the donation of food. So when you come to ampleharvest.org, take a moment, read the couple of bullet points on there. That'll keep you, the food, and the food pantry staff safe so that the good you're doing really is good and uh, nobody gets sick. So thank you very, very much. Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode. Transcripts, links to any products or books mentioned during the show. Plus, you can just listen to the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. There's other helpful links for even more information, including info about the new Garden Basics newsletter. And just like the podcast, it's free. Plus, you'll find more information about how to get in touch with us. Leave an audio question without making a phone call via SpeakPipe. Go to speakpipe.com slash garden basics. It's easy. Give it a try. You can also use your phone to call or text us the question and pictures. 916-292-8964. 916-292-8964. And you can email us, fred at farmerfred.com. And if you tell us where you're from, that's going to help us out greatly to accurately answer your garden questions. Because as I'm fond of saying, all gardening is local. In the show notes, you'll find links to all our social media outlets, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And there's a link to the FarmerFred.com website. And if you would please, if you hear something you like on the podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's brought to you by Smart Pots. 
Garden Basics is available wherever podcasts are handed out, and that includes Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Google, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and Pocket Casts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.